Okay, 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 okay. Here, here's the thing. Um, so, it's been literal months. Uh, August, September, October, November. Um, a prob- uh, approximately four calendar months since I last watched the movie Luca. I've only seen it twice. I am planning to watch it again when I go home to subject my parents to the fact that they're literally the parents in this movie. Um, so I should just like wait to talk about it until after I watch it then and it's fresh in my mind and I, um, you know, remember what happens in the movie and stuff like that. That would be the smart thing to do. But unfortunately, um, I, like, I don't know what it is. I, I listened to, so the music in this movie is so very good and I think that's what I'm going to spend a lot of the time of this episode, um, talking about um but like I, I i know this i know this fact i've known this fact for months i've known this fact since the first time i watched this movie it's just got amazing music in the best of ways um the both like the score and the soundtrack um i'm obsessed with both they're the only music besides my own that i have on my on my phone um although to be fair that is a a uh, privilege that you know not as sh- it's not short lived but like it's they're not the only music to have ever graced my phone let me put it that way um but and i like i've been listening to it like for the past couple of months i just there's something about um i was sitting down to to write and i was like i want to listen to something i got to listen to something good but not like so good or like not not with words not something that's so good that I like get caught up in it not something that's um annoying and needs to be long enough and I was like why don't I just like listen to listen to a song from the Luca score um particularly because I accidentally listened to Buongiorno Massimo for like um half an hour the other day um and I was like, okay, like, I, like, completely zoned out while doing that. I, I probably could find another one. And I was like, I, I could play that one, but I feel like that's, um, I'm like, I don't actually like that song as much as some of the other stuff in this soundtrack. But, like, you know, that's kind of the danger is, like, when you're doing something else, you want to be listening to a song that you don't, like, 100%, like, like, moves your heart and soul because if, you know, then you get distracted listening to the song. Um, and so I was looking through the songs on this soundtrack, um, and the ones that are long are, are, are as to be expected. There's, um, the one called the Porto Rosso Cup, which is the one for when they're, um, you know, they're, they're involved in the Porto Rosso Cup. It's this whole seven minute long thing. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous piece. Um, it's also just very, like, tense because it's a, it's the climax of the movie, um, the other, the other longest one is called, um, oh, actually, I didn't, didn't realize that this was, uh, okay, the other, the next longest one is How to Find the Good Ones that I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, the next longest one after that is, um, Meet Luca, which is the opening song, which is another gorgeous piece. I love that one. I love... I have very rarely listened to this soundtrack out of order except to listen to like specific songs that I wanted to hear because this soundtrack is just so good in order um, and it's it's very easy to sort of follow along with the, the plot of the movie um, and this first sort of overture of all the music is just so very delightful. Um, it sets such a good scene 
and I, I love it. But also another one that I'm kind of like, oh, this one gets me too. This one gets me a little too excited. Um, the next longest one after that is I wish I could take it back, which is a little too sad. A little too sad. Um, I won't spoil the movie yet. I'll talk about the plot in a second, but um, a little too sad for me. A little too angsty. So I'm like, okay. Um, uh, and okay. And then the other, the other, the the rest of them are all like pretty much under th- those are all like four minutes to four minutes and above all the rest of them are like they're completely under um three minutes and four seconds is the next longest one which is <laughs> buongiorno massimo um uh yes so anyway the song that i what what happened was i sat down to write and i was like let me listen to um how to find the good ones just to, to see if this is going to be the song that i'm going to play on repeat um, but I just listened to it all the way through and like, I just remembered how good this movie is and how good this soundtrack is. Um, and then I was like, okay, let me listen to it again. And then I listened to it again all the way through. And then I was like, okay, there's, <laughs> there's no way that I'm going to be able to write while listening to this. Um, and then I was like, man, I really love, I really love the soundtrack to Luca. Oh my God, I want to talk about how much I love the soundtrack to Luca. Oh my God. Um, so now I'm diverting my, my night's, my night's um, plan to, to talk about the soundtrack to Luca and also the movie. Um, because I feel like doing, the, doing another episode about this, this, this movie after watching it later on is, is not the way to go because um, uh, I, I can talk ab- enough about it now that, that I will get most of my emotions out. Um, so my, my main talking points for this are going to be, I love this movie. It's so good. Um, good, good Italian vibes, very like personally, um, connecty, uh, relatable in, in very funny ways. Um, and did I say the music? I think I said the music. Oh, um, the queer trans allegory. Um, I think that's, that's most of my, my thoughts. Um, also space, but like that, that, that kind of goes into the weirdly relatable category. Um, anyway, so the, the overview for the plot of this movie I will say, even though I like, I'm ninety percent sure that anyone who will ever listen to this has seen this movie already, um, is that Luca is the main character. He is a um, sea monster who lives uh, off the 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 coast of the Italian Riviera, and um, he uh, lives in his little sea monster society. He's like a a fish shepherd, basically. Um, and he has been banned from going onto, uh, land where the land monsters are. Um, and it is, while it is true that the sea monsters can kind of look like, uh, humans, uh, they suffer from the H2O, um, or aquamarine, I think, too, um, problem of if they get water on them, they, they turn into mermaid, um, except for it's, like, very much, very specifically, like, just the, um, the bit that has been covered in water, so, like, you know, you wash your hands, and just your hands get all scaly sea monstery and stuff like that, um, so he's been banned from going onto the land, um, and, uh, he meets 
a another sea monster named Alberto who is uh, sort of on his own um, and has been, you know, uh, knows everything about the land monsters and has been collecting their stuff for a long while and, you know, being near their boats or whatever. And so the two boys, like, kind of have fun together and um, Luca kind of gets slowly, like, dragged more and more into onto land. Um, far away from the people still, but, like, on land. Um, and he's he's very, you know, he's the shy and careful one. Um, and Alberto's, like, the, the, the sort of cocksure... Um, person who's like you know kind of egging him on um and so eventually they go over to the uh the people the 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 people place because they have this dream of getting a vespa um to and going and exploring the world together it's absolutely adorable um and so so they go over to the 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 real people town Porto Rosso and um they you know, there's 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 a lot to there's a a lot that I'm gonna condense into a short period of time. They meet this girl named Julia, who is like sort of the runt of the the town, um, who has been competing in the Porto Rosso Cup every year, which is a triathlon of swimming, bicycling, and eating pasta, um, and she's lost to this jerk named Ercole, who um is like too old to be doing this kids challenge, but gets into it anyway. Um, and he's got a fancy Vespa, and. Luca and Alberto are like, oh, sick, how do we get this Vespa? And Julia's like, uh, you need money. And they were like, what? they're like, what's that? And they're like, well, you know, um, you can get money by winning the Porto Rosso Cup. And um, so their plan is to join Julia in this cup and win it so that they can um, get money and then they can buy a Vespa and they can go explore the world. Um, and they hang out with Julia and her dad, Massimo, who is a fisherman who really wants to hunt sea monsters. Um, so, of course, drama, you know. Uh, meanwhile, Luca's parents are like, oh my god, our son's missing! Um, you know, because he had, he'd run away from them because they were threatening to send him uh, off to his uncles in the, the deep part of the ocean because he kept, like, um, sneaking off and going onto land. Um, so they're they're looking for him. They're splashing all of the children with water balloons and being general menaces in the town and surprisingly creepy towards children um, that they don't know because they don't know which one's theirs because he looks like a human. Um, and so, you know, we've got training montages. We've got Ercole being a dick. Um, that kind of that kind of whole stuff happens. Um, we have at some point. Um, Julia starting to tell Luca about how school exists and how great it is and Luca's like oh my god you can learn more about stuff um and he starts to learn that like all of the stuff that Alberto has taught has told him about the human world is like not quite right and he starts to learn like you know what's actually true and Alberto gets jealous of this sort of like attention that he's paying to other people and you know not to him anymore um and so there's this this sort of like combativeness between him and Julia which escalates to the point of Alberto being like look I know like you know just drive the bike down the mountain like it'll be fine and he and Luca go uh, splashing into the water now Julia still doesn't know that there are sea monsters so they have to kind of have to hide out for a bit Um, they eventually come to and Luca's kind of like what is your problem and um, Alberto is like you know Julia's not going to like you know, you're a sea monster, like, you, you, like, stop being so, like, caught up in 
the human stuff, like, blah, 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 and, like, Luca's like, that, you know, that's the, that's the whole point of why we're here, um, and they fight, and basically, it comes down to um, Alberto thinking it's a good idea to show Julia that he's a sea monster, and Julia gets scared, and Ercole uh, shows up and, like, tries to, like, impale him on a harpoon or something like that, and Luca decides to, instead of, like, revealing that he is also a sea monster to Julia, be, like, oh no, ah, scary sea monster, and Alberto gets hurt and runs away. Um, and so there's this whole, there's this whole split between them, that's where the, um, I wish I could take it all back kind of comes in, is, like, shortly after this. Um, so eventually they sort of make up, it's revealed that Alberto is on his own because his father left him and is, you know, having a rough go of it. Um, they kind of all get back together, um, and, uh, Julia, they, 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 or they decide to split up doing the cup, and Julia's just gonna do it by herself, and then, um, Luca comes back and is like, no, like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win, and I'm going to get that money and get the Vespa, and we're gonna go, and it's gonna be great, um, and so Julia is doing stuff by herself, um, Luca's doing stuff by himself, Ercole's trying to win this, the parents, I think, have finally figured out who Luca is, and they're trying to, like, chase him down, um, and so Luca gets to the top of the mountain, um, he's, like, kind of, like, right behind Ercole or something like that, um, and is about to kind of win this bike race, the last little bit of the triathlon, when it starts to rain, um, and there's a, this very, very good scene where Alberto shows up, um, like you know to to support to support Luca and comes running like with with a um with an umbrella and I think he he gets tripped and like sprawls in the middle of the the um sp- sprawls in the middle of the street and so and gets revealed for a sea monster and all the people are like oh my god what and so again we have this sort of like parallel of um Alberto being revealed and this time uh, and you know the 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 um the umbrella is just out of reach for Luca. He can't get to it, and so this time Luca goes out into the rain anyway. Um, scoops up his friend, gets revealed as a sea monster, and they go careening down the mountain. Um, and you know the whole thing ends when um they get to the finish line. And all the people are like, "Oh my God, what?" And Julie is like, "No, like they're my friends." And then Massimo's like, "You know, oh, they're the winners. Like, you know, they we've got to." We've got to play by the rules, and um, uh, so th- they get embraced by the townsfolk. Ercole gets his comeuppance. Um, it's revealed that like Luca's grandma likes to frequent the town, and there are some other old women in the town. It was just so good. These these like snooty old women turn out to be um, sea monsters as well that have just been hiding in the town for the whole time. Um, and I'll talk about them in a sec. But so it's all good. Um, and everything's fine. Um, the only downside, they, they get their money, they get their Vespa. It's a really shitty one, but it's theirs. Um, and the whole family is like eating together. And the only downside is just that like Luca at some point has expressed a desire to go off with Julia to school, um, which one costs money and two would be hard for him to do as a sea monster. And so what ends up being the case is that um, Alberto sells the Vespa, gets the money for his school, and Luca and Julia go off to school at the end, and Alberto stays with Massimo, who is like, become this pseudo-father figure for him, 
Um, and it's all, it's all good and dandy. And it's a very tearjerker of an ending kind of thing, but in a good way. Um, and then, you know, throughout the ending credits, you have these scenes of like them calling home and writing home and stuff like that. So that is the plot of this show, this movie. Um, I don't care if you already know it. I just want to talk about it. (laughs) Um, so I will. And so the first thing that I will say about this movie is that um, the very end, the the one thing that I didn't like about this, um, it's so specific, and I understand like why it had to be this way for like cinematic purposes, but um, it's so specific, um, but like the the sort of like reveal at the end that Alberto has sold the Vespa in order to get Luca to go to school. Um, comes like right when the train is leaving to go to school so like Luca literally has no time to like say goodbye to the town and say goodbye to his family and friends which like (laughs) like I can feel like I could feel my heart like racing and like my anxiety increasing at that at that at the end of the show and I'm like listen the amount the amount that I relate to this small um sea monster child like I can you know I don't think he would be very happy with that decision either um but it's you know it's cinematic it's um it's really it's a gorgeous scene um and you know you know they need it to be that way for for the for the sort of like dramas and pacing's sake um so i i get it i do um but also just like fills me with dread in my in, in the pit of my stomach um the rest of the movie is freaking amazing like there's not a single beat that i did like genuinely like there's not a single thing that I was like dang I wish they did this instead I wish they did this um I feel like that see as much as I hate Disney as like a corporation um and as much as I hate a lot of like what they're churning out now in this sort of like um era of rehashing old stuff and things like that um Pixar in particular and the news stories that come out of Pixar tend to be just like good like just good stories they have this sort of art of storytelling that's that's just very good and like you know no part of this I I, like I don't think I remember um like I, I don't think I was actively trying to predict anything that was going to happen in this movie like I was not um you know, trying to do that. And so I, I kind of didn't because this movie is so very straightforward. Like you can kind of see where things are going to go. Um, you know, maybe there's some, a little like differences along the way, but like for the most part, like this is kind of how this story was going to happen. You know, you know that, um, there's not a lot of surprises, but like, that's, that's the thing. I think I've talked about this sort of, um, this sort of thing before is that, Stories don't necessarily have to be new. They don't have to be, oh my god, that twist, it was so, like, I I never saw it coming. They don't have to be this sort of, like, groundbreakingly um, intelligent, uh, like, they don't have to have this, this, this crazy new plot in order for them to be masterpieces. Like, that's not what makes a movie good. Um, and it's kind of hard to pin down what does make a movie good if that's not the case. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the emotions it evokes and sort of how, like, for me personally, how much you care about the characters and their relationships. Um, it has to do with 
the themes and how well the themes are shown. It has to do with how satisfied you feel at the ending. And yes, like I do love like good murder mysteries. I do love, uh, you know, moments in shows where you're like, holy shit, like that just came that just came together. Oh my god, like in in a way I didn't know, but but now it of course it makes sense and stuff like that. But also there's something to be said about just like stories that you feel that like settle in you in a way that you know, oh, this is this story. Because of course that's how it goes. Um and this is one of those. So and like and like I said, like there's no beat in this story that I'm like I didn't like that or I wish they did this differently like it's that good again except for the the end second of like me being like oh my god but that's literally just like a personal thing and like a god if I were real and in this scenario I mm, 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 mm. um it's also a story that has this sort of like um I'm gonna talk about it again the um this sort of like goodwill hunting vibe almost of like you know ah oh, like the, the the best part of my day is when I you know the the 10 second walk when I go to knock on your door and maybe you're not gonna be there um except for again this does it in a much better way um dissimilar to the way that it that they do that um in community that I talked about a little bit ago of like them just completely like reversing that trope um this one does it in a very good way it's um, in a way that acknowledges that Alberto and Luca care a lot about each other, but what they need out of life right now in this moment are two different things. And one of those things is a stable home and like the love of a parental figure that someone has been missing for years of their life. And the other thing is a chance at um, figuring out uh the world and seeing new places and um uh learning learning more about the world around you and yourself and stuff like that and they both agree on this sort of like desire to one day you know be on their vespa and travel the world and stuff like that and you know there's this implication that that's not a that that's not a pipe dream for them that one day that it'll happen but like at this moment in time there are other things that are kind of more important for them to be having than this this sort of dream that that initially brought them together um which is so like it's good like i love that um it's an ac- it's like a very accurate portrayal of a friendship um between two characters who you know need to say goodbye to each other for a little bit um and especially because you know we we get the sort of credit scene of them coming like talking and stuff like that and we know that julia spends her summers in puerto rosso so we know that luca is going to do so too um but like it's it's just like it's just very accurate to like real life goodbyes um and real life supporting of your friends as they do things differently than you're doing right now um, in a way that's very different to me, um, to, like, Goodwill Hunting, which I just, (laughs) again, I, I, that, mm -mm, no, I, I don't like that bit. Um, so yes, that is, that is, that, those are my thoughts about the ending of this, of this, and the plot of this. It's very good. Um, the other things that I have to say about this movie are the, um, 
fuck oh the 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 big thing is the queer allegory um kind of like almost specifically like like trans queer vibes but um the like again listen i i can i can talk for days about all of the queer coding in um children's media specifically surrounding like <laughs> specifically surrounding like ratatouille and shark tail um but just in general um again the sort of like idea of this outcast narrative um and finding people who accept you and stuff like that um but man this one in particular like it really hits the nail on the head um and to like to very very quickly like sort of go off on a tangent um one of the uh, is my phone my phone's not gonna die is it no okay oh shit this is gonna be a long episode my bad i really fucked up my night plans it's okay i love this movie i, I want to talk about it all the time um so one of the things that i like most about the movies that are very heavily queer coded like ratatouille and shark tales shark tale um is that the uh, main characters don't get love interests um they don't stupidly throw them with some other random girl at the end just just because some random girl rat or girl shark i guess supposedly um and it kind of uh, you know i'm not i'm not saying that that would dis like disprove this sort of like queer allegory or anything like that because it doesn't um but it just, I don't know, it, it, sits, it sits right with me somehow. Um, and I'm also, I'm just, I'm very so grateful that they didn't do that with this movie either. They didn't do, um, I was so surprised at this in such, in such a pleasant way. They didn't do the thing where they started like pairing off um, Luca and Julia in particular, um, which I was kind of worried they were going to do, especially... Um, to sort of play up the the um, antagonism and jealousy between Alberto and Julia of like Alberto having this friend first and um, Julia kind of like taking over which she you know she doesn't do it's like very clear that she's just like you know trying to trying to be a good a good friend and a good host and stuff like that um, and a lot of a lot of that uh, perception is coming from Alberto who finally has like a single person in his life who who cares about him and has that person slowly getting taken away um in his eyes uh in his eyes taken away which is you know not the case um but i was like so worried they were going to do that and they never they don't do it at all like not even like a hint of it it's literally just like friend jealousy and i'm so glad about that for so many reasons it's not only just like the sort of like the 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 queer allegory is kind of um, feeling good is what, yeah, I I don't know how to use words, um, not just that, there's also just the, um, the fact that they're, like, they're children, what, they're, like, uh, I want to, I want to say somewhere between, like, 10 and 13 in this, like, I, I can't remember how old they are, I think maybe, like, one is 11 and one is 12 or something, I don't know, um, but, like, they're children, and, like, yes, I get, like, the Little Mermaid with Ariel, who's, what, 16, and, you know, she marries Prince whatever is Eric at the end. Like, uh, you know, I get it. We like these these sort of um, traditional fairy tales with 
Roman- romantic endings, um, even for Snow White, who's 14, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, other, other, um, Pixar movies with, like, sort of younger, younger characters that, that don't do that, too, um, or that do do that. I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, I haven't seen a lot of these in a while, um, but anyway, but, like, even, um, a lot of, like, a lot of kids' movies and kids' shows still do that thing of pairing people off at the end, um, even if it's just a little hint, even if it's just, like, a kind of, like, a, like, a nudge-nudge, wink-wink, or it's, like, a kiss on the cheek, or, like, you know, or, like, a comment that somebody makes at some point or something like that, there's absolutely none of that in this movie, and I think that that's the kind of thing that's just, like, so good for kids to see, like, what, point, point the first, you don't have to be, you know, in on that at, at a young age, um, point the second, it's great for queer kids who, like, often don't come into their own about that until much later, um, if ever at all, um, and it's just, it's just good narratively, I, like, I, I feel like it's so hard to, like, rush, like, like, I don't know, like, people, like, rush relationships in general, in, in movies in particular, um, and I'm so glad that they don't just do it, like, as a kind of, like, oh, well, we've got to, so here we go, um, and it feels, like, forced at the end, um, so that was my little, my, oh, yes, that was my tangent, now back onto the, the idea of this queer narrative, um, so the whole, the whole point of this, uh, shut up, Discord, by mute computer um the whole point of this movie is this idea that the sea monsters are afraid of the land monsters because the land monsters hunt them because the land monsters are afraid of the sea monsters um and it's this sort of fear of the other fear of the unknown that is pushing these two communities apart and so um Luca's parents think that the way to solve, and like the rest of their society, thinks that the way to solve this is by keeping their communities very separate and keeping, you know, the, uh, w- one group of people together and one group, and like just, you know, stay away from those people who might be dangerous. Um, stay away from this, this world that you may may be curious about. Stay away from any sort of dreams that you have because you don't know who are the people that you can trust. Um, and, you know, and then, like, if you have to be in this society, like, completely hide yourself because you don't know what they'll do when they find out the truth about you. And so that seems to be, like, this sort of prevailing message at the beginning of this movie that the sort of sea monster society is trying to impart on its citizens, that you will not be accepted among humans um, even if you were to have to be among humans at all, like, there's no possible way that, that you should, there's no way you should ever tell them that you are a sea monster because you will not be accepted. And right from the start, we get, you know, Alberto, who is sort of pushing back against this, and Luca, who starts to slowly push back against this, and, um, we see the sort of the, the sort of, like, two two groups of people that are mainly at odds about this are Luca's parents and Luca and Alberto. And so 
his parents are like they're they're kind of forced to go you know compromise their their values a little bit and go as humans into Porto Rosso in order to find their kid and like you know get him back to safety and in the process their their journey throughout the show is that they um or throughout the movie is that they watch Luca and his interactions with others um and like him following his dreams and they realize that this thing that he wants is possible and it's capable um he's capable of being happy and surrounded by people who love him in this human world and so that's kind of their whole their whole arc is coming to realize that hey maybe we were wrong to instill such a fear in our kid that he is like so anxious about trying and failing um to to survive in this human world um fuck i'm gonna i'm gonna get emotional man this is a good movie and um so that's so that's their whole deal and on the other hand we have um luca and alberto but you know more specifically luca who starts from this position of i cannot like he wouldn't even there's there's this scene at the beginning of the movie where he's like going to he's like gathering his courage to try to like push his head up out of the water and like he kind of pushes his head almost to the top and like we see the water sort of crest in this bubble over him and then he like gives up and like you know goes back down um and then he gets pulled up by by alberto and then like you know brought into this world again um but like he he can't do it by himself he first like you know um he's he's been too he's been told to be so afraid by the people around him that he can't do that by himself and he he doesn't know how to because he doesn't know that it is okay to want to live amongst these humans and um follow his his dreams of being having a vespa and learning shit about space valid bro um and so we have this other character alberto whose like role is to sort of put like his role in this movie is to push Luca that's the whole thing there's um you know the the scene that gets mirrored from the beginning of the sh- the movie until and and the ad, um and then sort of towards the end is this scene in which Alberto jumps off of the tower and says take me gravity and like falls down through the trees and then you have Luca going oof like ow and then like cautiously going down um and then later on Luca is the one who's jumping off of this um this tower while alberto alberto's like oh maybe hold on and like he's just like you know become more fearless through his friendship with alberto and we get that sort of in the early montage of them uh riding their their makeshift vespa off a ramp of him like kind of gradually coming out of his shell and um just really like genuinely blossoming as a person um through this friendship and then later through his friendship with Julia and it's it's very good character growth um it's very it's very different from the type of character growth that you normally see in um in main characters so the the closest you know um analogy to my my fellow queer animated characters um i would say is like lenny from shark tales but he's not really the main character the main character in the movie is oscar who's this cocksure like you know alberto type um and 
is like you know the the mastermind behind all these schemes that they pull and stuff like that and he's he's the main character um you know in ratatouille remy is not shy (laughs) at all he knows what he's about he wants to cook and he's gonna do it you know everyone else be damned um and like i like so upon um one of the things that I did before watching this movie was do a whole bunch of those like, you know, um, which character are you quizzes. And I love like I love to do I love to do those things before I watch a thing that I know I'm going to like. So that way I, I, I can be like completely unbiased and like not, um, you know, not skew my results to to the character that I that I prefer or that I want that I see myself as or want to be seen as. Um, and I was really confused because I kept getting Luca and I was like, no, like this is like the main character. Like I like looking at the two of the, the, like I, you know, hadn't seen a whole lot about this movie. Didn't know really, I didn't know the plot at all, except for the fact that there were sea monsters that could also be human. Um, and I was like, like just looking at the characters, I was like, oh no, like Alberto's definitely more like the, the type of person that I'd be, the sort of like sidekick friend who you know is probably like the 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 vaguely like less adventurous one um and and because like that was my perception because that's just how stories are like we like to hear about the hero who is so brave that he will do anything for you know the people he loves we like to hear about um the the funny person who got up on stage and was like you know nervous or whatever but like you know I I don't know killed it at the the talent show we like to hear about these characters who maybe overcome some sort of fear but for the most part are like outgoing and who are um uh, boisterous and loud and daring and adventurous especially in um, kids media, especially in Disney stories, like these are supposed to be the the characters that you look up to as a kid that you want to be like, um, and they're these these brave shining heroes, um, and Luca is very much not that. He is this sort of like um, shyer kid. He's very timid at the beginning of at the beginning of all this. It was like so I was like my like my brain was my brain hurt at the beginning of this cuz I was like, "Wait, what the hell? Like that's the character? I'm I'm so I'm so baffled." Um but like it's so very clear that that's not fully who he is. That, you know, in the argument of nurture versus nature and like how much of you is you and how much of you is a product of your environment a lot of who Luca is especially at the beginning of the show is a product of his environment and is a product of all of his family members telling him to be cautious and teaching him um that it's right to be nervous around other people, that it's right to be nervous around hu- the human world, and that he has to follow these rules exactly, or else he'll he'll um, regret it. And, you know, so once he starts to realize that there's another way to do things, and that it's okay to do things another way, um, he really, like, opens up into this character that is impulsive, and that is, um, like you know, not as scared. He, like, jumps off of this tower without, um, hesitating. Um, and, like, yes, there are still parts of him that are, like, you know, cautious and nervous because, 
you know, that's how he was raised. That's, you know, part of who he is as a person. But, like, getting to see the real him shine throughout this movie is, like, one of the most gorgeous things about the about this film. Um, and so it's just such a different character development. It, like, makes... Like, I'm not gonna cry. I... I'm not going to cry about this movie. Um, I mean, I will, like, but just not now. I'm not going to do it, I, I swear. Um, it's just so good, though. It's so, it's so good. Um, so anyway, so we have this sort of journey that, like, okay, again, like, every time I talk about something that's a queer allegory, it's also very similar to, like, um, out, like experiences of other marginalized identities um, but I'm I'm gonna talk about it from a queer lens because I that's like how I relate to it the most and how and this in particular I think is also just a very queer story, um, but like we have this character who's being told like you have to hide who you are in this society nobody will accept you for who you are if you show them who you truly are, um, and he rejects the part of himself um, that is you know is really him when Alberto. Um, is revealed to be a sea monster and Lucas is like no like oh, oh my god like ah scary um and then of course immediately afterwards Julia is like dude come on and then like splashes him and he's a sea monster um and it's just it's I don't know it's like such a tiny detail um but like I feel like that's such a very like that's another like it's a very queer experience of like you know being a kid and someone being like like, so, somebody else, like, talking about, like, gay stuff, or, like, coming out, and you being like, oh, no, mm-mm, and, like, kind of covering it with, um, outward homophobia or internalized homophobia as well, and then, like, somebody else who knows you very well, like, kind of picking up on, like, yeah, you, mm, you don't hate that person because they're, they're gay, you, mm, I, mm, I, I see something over here, and, like, um, I don't, I don't remember where I was going with this thought, just that, like, that's, that's a very, like, a, a, a moment of denying, you know, who he is as a person, and, um, in order to fit in with this world around him that he thinks he need to, he needs to fit in, uh, with, because that's what, uh, his parents and his society has told him to do, um, if he were to ever find himself in this position, um, which makes the end of this movie so so good um because so what the end is is um uh massimo in particular um this character who we've seen to you know be sharpening his harpoons and be scarily like always looking for sea monsters to kill um sees the fact that these two boys that he's taken in and specifically alberto who he like now kind of looks at as a son um they're both sea monsters and like his acceptance is immediate his change of heart is immediate the second that he realizes these people that i love these children that i love and would do everything in my power to protect are this thing that i used to fear but if they are that thing that i used to fear then there's no possible way i could fear this anymore there's no possible way that could be dangerous because if that's what these kids are then like of course that's acceptable um which is so good um and it's such a good immediate like like 
it's it's such a good immediate reaction and then like people take cues from him and then you have the whole town slowly starting to realize oh maybe maybe this is okay um and i i mean i i kind of also have to talk about julia too because she's another one who like very like is very accepting like you know except for the 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 original like shock when alberto reveals himself um immediately like switches to like oh like i was just kind of startled like i'm sorry like i i I want us to be friends i want to look out for you i i you know i don't care i care about you as a person um which i think is like if you know very exact to again um to this sort of you know how um straight people are brought up in society is like often like you know me as a kid I didn't know anything about queer people and the very little things that I did know about them when I first started finding out about them it was like you know reactions of disgust of distaste of you know we don't talk about that or that's not something that's good um and it was never you know in a sort of positive light so um my my first initial reactions to things like that were like always kind of like taking a step back and like mirroring that disgust that had been taught to me um and I, I mean like I say this as a queer person so not necessarily the, the exact same thing but like that is sort of what happens with Julia's reaction is she she has this initial sort of thought of what society does and then immediately reevaluates that and is like no these are my friends I care about them so much um and loves and accepts them with the sort of love and acceptance that comes from being a kid and having a, a, a best friend that you um, have just learned this new fact about, but, like, love them with your whole heart anyway. Um, and so, again, we have this sort of unconditional love from this child towards her two other best friends um, and this father figure towards these children, and then the whole town... Um, starts to, uh, to, to, to take their cues from that and do the same thing and turn around this acceptance. Um, and then we see sort of like, we see snatches of like later stuff with, with like, um, sea monsters and people kind of, um, mingling together. And it's, you know, this, this good new utopian, um, ideal of a society where everyone is accepted regardless of their identity. And it's really good. Um, but also right at the start of this change, are these two old women um, who have kind of been seen throughout the show or throughout the movie um, at different points. They sort of like act uh, a little bit offended by the existence of Alberto and Luca. They, I think they, they kind of like, like stick up their nose at them at some point when, when Luca and Alberto are getting like human customs wrong uh, and, they're, you know, they're sort of seen as, like, the, the catty old women who who uh, are a little bit mean. And they, you know, they look at each other at the end and they shrug and they kind of go, eh, okay. And then they step out into the rain um, at the end of the Portoroso Cup and are revealed to be sea monsters, the two of them. And it's, like, this moment of, like, like of course this is a queer allegory. Like, of fucking course it is, because you have these two women who've been, like, together the entire show, who, like, are now revealed to be sea monsters who've been living in this town for forever. Um, And it's just, like, the exact thing of, like, you know, oh, yeah, those two, you know, those two women who've been roommates for forever, um, and, like, 
you know, revealing themselves to young queer children and adults in in a show of support. Like, that's, like, 100% exactly what this is. Like, that that is what this is. And it's such a good moment. Um, And it's, like, a good thing to be, like, like, of course they're here. Like, because, like, queer people are, like, you know, people who are different are everywhere and they're you know within your society even if you think that they're not even if um we as the viewers have been led to believe that this is a society completely of humans that's um antagonistic towards sea monsters and there's no possible way that a sea monster could survive in that society of portoroso we're given proof you know at the end like um it's such a good reveal like we're given proof that you know, even that assumption at the beginning was wrong. Um, even as we see this sort of, like, change taking place, um, we are told that, like, it was never even a valid assumption to make at the beginning. And it's so, so good. Um, okay. Do I have anything else to say about this queer allegory? Oh, yes, I really, I really do. Because this is going to lead me into the music stuff, but I feel like I might, I might talk about other things first before I talk about the music um but the so so the good good line I'm going to um google the Luca transcript so I can find this exact quote um because I think that this is something that is like very very worth quoting kind of exactly um what is this okay the good okay um so it's the end of the movie um, where we've just seen them get their Vespa. It's kind of like right around the time that Alberto is coming to the realization that they're going to sell the Vespa and um, get Luca to school. And Luca's parents are around. They've kind of like accepted him and his, um, you know, they, like they've, they've seen him. Um, and so I'm going to just read, read, read through this. Okay. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, kids whoop laughing alberto woohoo um and then uh so his so luca's mom says um uh what he did today was amazing but we can't let him stay in this world can we and then his his grandmother says uh some people they'll never accept him but some will and then there's like a kind of cut to the kids um laughing and like playing on their their vespa the two the julia and like alberto with like their arm like all of their arms around each other um and uh and then and then the grandmother says uh and he seems to know how to find the good ones and like bro no i'm not gonna cry dude that's just like uh, that makes me that makes me nuts that makes me not like that's when I started sobbing I think when the first time I watched this watched this movie um because it's just it's so good and it's again it's like very integral to the queer experience of like finding people finding your people and finding people who accept you for you and who um you are happy to share your whole self with and your true self with um and uh, it's just such a good line god it's so good um okay 
I think that's all I have to say on the topic of queer allegory. How are we doing on time? It's fine. This is a long episode. I hope... I think my phone's been, like, running out of space. I think my computer's running out of space. And we'll see how this does. Um, anyway. So... The other thing that I will mention sort of as like a brief divergence um, before I start talking about music, because I think that's the other big thing that I want to talk about, um, uh, is, is just the, the sort of like weirdly relatable bits of this, this movie um, that I really love. Uh, so the, the, most, the biggest and most obvious one um, is the fact that the, the, the parents... The, the sea monster parents, um, when they turn into their human selves, look so fucking remarkably like my own parents that I cracked up upon watching this. Sent the picture to both of my parents, my brother, my cousin, my aunt, like, you know, the whole line. And every single one of them were like, oh my god, that's fucking hilarious. Like, it's like... I got them all like they like every every one of them was like oh my god this is so fucking funny which is why I'm gonna force them to watch you know to sit and watch this with me when I go home um it's it's just so ridiculous um and you know the um the uncomfortable uh the uncomfortable um uh sort of connection between you know the again these parents who don't really understand this this whole thing that Luca is going through and like, you know, uh, as parents who don't understand the queer experience kind of, kind of vibes. Um, so that's, so that's number one. Number two is just the, um, this was so, this is so very specific. Um, but there's one of the, um, things that Alberto learns incorrectly about humans is that the way to greet one another is, um, what's wrong with you, stupido? And, um, the amount it was just so funny because like the amount of times that I hear that phrase exactly um around my my dad's side of the family is is so many it was just it was just another thing of like you know I did not expect to relate to this movie set in Italy in the um 60s I believe maybe maybe early 70s I'm not I'm not actually 100% sure about this um but it was very good nonetheless. Um, I think that was all I had to say on that topic, if I remember correctly. I don't know. It's just a, just just good like f- funny things out of the blue that hit you. That's like really really funny. Um, okay, now for the not the real reason that I'm here because, you know, I just love this movie so much that I I can talk about every aspect of it for. For however long I need to, um, but the the thing that brought me to talking for Luca for an hour four months after the last time I watched the movie instead of doing the writing that I told myself I would do tonight um, is the music for this movie, and the music for this movie is absolutely gorgeous. I loved it the first time that I like watched it I wasn't paying full like you know full close enough attention to it because I was paying more attention to other other aspects of the film um but except for the one main theme the um uh Vespa Libertà um that that like the whistle 
um, that I'll whistle in a second to kind of um, prove my point later. Like that one I kind of picked up on because it was just such a common theme throughout the the, the music. Um, but then shortly after I like listened to some of the music again and just realized how good it is. It's the kind of music, the score, the score itself um, is the kind of music that like makes you want to get up and like it like makes you feel like your chest has opened up and light has come out and you just need to spin around the room. And like the first time that I listened to this soundtrack outside of um, watching the movie, that's like all I did. I just like, <laughs> I like stood in my in my kitchen and just like moved and spun and like physically, I'm like, I physically need this music to flow through me because it's so good with that. Um, and because that's just all that's just all it is um and then the soundtrack all of the snippets of other songs that they use throughout this this movie as well are just all like they're not they're not you know movement songs in exactly the same way um they don't fill you up with light and make it spill out of like your your chest or and your your hands and stuff like that in the same way but they are very much you know they're what 60s late late 60s maybe early 70s like uh early rock song like dance songs um they they make you get up and boogie those songs i've listened to quite a lot and like again they're the kind of thing that like you can't help but sing along to you can't help but like bop your bop along to i was um listening to them on the bus um yesterday the other day um and I'm like you know sitting there like moving my shoulders and like tapping my leg and I'm like you know I'm definitely annoying anybody who's behind me on this bus but like so help me you can't hear the um uh the this the the song the the Pinocchio song um without like you know you gotta bop to that um and so it's just like it's good music all around in these two very distinct ways um and the soundtrack is great and I love it and I, you know, can, will listen to it all the time. Um, but what I really want to talk about is the score and how good the score is. Um, so I wrote down some talking points on the back of this paper bracelet that I have from work. Um, my talking points are... Oh, I forgot the other relatable thing that's in this movie that I was going to say. It's just that I was like, damn, it's about, like, this kid wants to learn about space. And I was like, hell yeah, vibes. Um, and then, oh, that's a lie. I've, I found the other one thing that's wrong about this movie is that um, I'm, like, looking at the size of the telescope that the, that he's he's looking through and looking at what he sees of, you know, Saturn. And I'm like sun you would not be able to see that level of detail in that small of a telescope i'm sorry inaccurate um anyway um so the the things that i want to talk about re-music are the instrumentation and the meter of this music in general and then specifically the two main themes in the music um there are more than there are more than just the two there are there are actually quite a few and there are some, you know, some of the other ones are also really good, but in particular, these these two are the ones that um, that I love the most and that are just so good. Um, and they're also this is this is the point that I'm like, man, I wish I kind of have watched this movie recently and can tell you like the exact moments that all of these 
um, bits come up, but I can take my educated guesses and hope for the best. Um, so the first one is that um, Vespa y Libertà, like, whistle theme. Um, and so it's, it's, I'm going to whistle now, so close your ears. I don't know how loud this is going to be. But it's the one that's like the... Um, and then it like goes on and kind of, you know, has more to it, but, um, it's like really, and I, I wish I could do, would do it better of like, I can't like throw the whistle as good as like the person who is doing it does it in, um, in the soundtrack, but it's got like this good reverb on it. It's like, it's being whistled in this like beautiful space. It's like so, um, vibrant and like full um and it's piercing and clear and i like you know i think that's like the the highest pitched of any of the instruments that get get used in um in the instrumentation and it comes at these moments of like it's usually in in luca's daydreams um it comes in these moments of like when the the scene sort of opens up and you know is all of this sort of like airy existence um and it's first of all like it's just it's such a good like good musically of like the and like that sort of like um appoggiatura like leaning on into that like like the the tila is like so good um and it like uh like it was the thing that got stuck in my head by the end of the first time that i had watched the movie like before the, I think it was like the middle of the movie and I was already like oh my god that theme and it, it was in me like I knew it um because it's just so beautiful beautifully written um even just like the first few notes of it but like you know the the rest of the phrase is so good um and like it's hard to do that now like it's hard to come up with something like that that you know hasn't been isn't a theme that like somebody else has used already and um that still evokes that same sort of emotion of like i don't know like this like sort of soaring this sort of like release of tension of like being buoyed up and freed and um it's it's so good in that in that respect um and it shows up in the movie in times like that um you know one of the the good examples um is in the song uh telescope which is i believe what happens right after um luca has looked through the telescope for the first time and he's kind of imagining himself um running through the stars and kind of like gliding around saturn's rings and stuff like that um and that song in particular is the other another one of the notes that i wrote down that i wanted to talk about um because it's just a very it's one of the it's one of the really good songs in the in the soundtrack in that it's got a lot of a, a huge mix of textures it starts off with this like very plucky pizzicato strings of like um and then um sort of opens up into this like sweeping string movement and um uh, i think that I, I can't remember exactly how the middle bit goes um but it does open up into this uh, Vespa y Libertà, like, theme, um, in, it's not whistled, in, in this part, it's, like, done by the strings, which is just so gorgeous of that sort of, like, that, um, that, that rubbing note that, that, like, gets that release, and it's, 
um, it's it's beautiful. It's a, it's a it's a really good song. Um, it's only like two minutes or so, and it's got such range. Um, and it captures really like the sort of range of the instrumentation. Um, that I'll talk about in a second. After I talk about the second theme, which is the um, um, uh, the the take me gravity theme, and so I'm like I I'm you know I don't actually know I haven't like looked at shit about this this movie so I don't know if people have different names for this stuff these are these are just like kind of the ones that I've been calling them in my head because those are the two the two songs that are like almost exclusively those themes um so the other theme is the take me gravity one which is the and then it like kind of goes on to do to do more stuff but that's like the main part of it um and it's this theme that's kind of like played at these moments of like ah something needs to be done and i'm going to do it and like i'm going to try and i'm going to you know it's played take me gravity is this sort of thing that luca shouts and um he learns from alberto um that like you know they shout as they're jumping off the tower and like you know being brave and taking a leap of faith um and that's sort of what this music is and it's kind of like this sort of very buoying like like if 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 uh Vespa e Libertà is like this sort of airy buoying soaring melody of like daydreams this is like the sort of actual drive that's behind what's happening the um the push the um the impetus that's like moving this story forward and moving these characters forward through their growth um and it's often it's like usually um played by the brass um specifically like the trumpets i think um for for most of the times that it shows up um which is also really re- like the the trumpets in this are, are very good and again i'll talk about instrumentation right after um but um so it's got this very sort of like bright feel in a very different way than the sort of bright whistle that we normally get um and yeah so th- those those two themes again there's more um throughout the, the 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 movie but those two themes in particular are just so gorgeous and so every time they show up when i'm like listening to this soundtrack i just like i'm like ah like i can feel my like I, like i feel like i'm exploding like it's it's so good um it's it, they're, they're just very good um okay then the other thing that I wanted to talk about re-music is this idea of instrumentation and this idea of meter. Um, so the first thing is one of the things, um, sorry, I was just like checking that I was, this was the truth in my, when I, in my head when I was going to say this. Um, one of the things that I think makes this music work so well is that a lot of the songs are in compound meter or in this sort of, um, I think that's the, I think that's the term for it. Um, um, it's usually in like six eight, um, or you know, uh, twelve eight, nine eight, like you know stuff like that, um, or you know a, a little bit of three four. I don't know if that one technically counts as um, compound or not. I can't remember uh, music theory. What the fuck is that? Um, but so the the whole point of compound meter is this this sort of like rotation this cyclical um existence you you know it like kind of goes like you've got the like like moving 
forward. It's not like straight up and down like A march and it goes like this and you know, you have this sense of motion. And a lot of this music just has this gorgeous sense of motion um, because of the meter and also just because of the way that it's written. Like I'm like I'm saying this like sort of soaring melody of Vespa de Libertad and like um, it's just so it's just added to by the fact that um, we have this is this complex or um, compound meter and this rotation and this ideal of like cyclical things of like you know kind of I'm, I'm doing this motion with my hand that you can't see because this is a podcast um and a fake one at that um but it's like of like scooping upwards and then tossing high and then like like coming back down and gaining the momentum and then going high up again um and that's what a lot of this has um and not not all of this not all of the songs of course um and there are also these really really cool moments um I think, uh, oh, which, which song is it that has this? I think it might be, um, How to Find the Good Ones that has this, um, along with some of the other ones, but, like, they, they kind of start with this do-do, 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 like, um, plucking on the strings and the pizzicato, um, that's, like, the, uh, so it's in, like, 6-8 or something like that, and it's got the, the first two notes of, of the triplet are played and then there's a rest and then the the next two of the next triplets and then a rest so it's like do do rest do do rest do do rest do do rest and so you get this like do 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 and it's like kind of like this up go 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 kind of um feeling um and then um we get this this sort of like boop 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 um um I, again, I want to analyze this one bit in particular so I can like really get what the rhythm is. Um, but like what they do is they interlock it with this sort of um, simple meter of like the sort of like uh, two, four, like four, four, whatever it is um, in context of like the sort of like one and two and three and four. And you got this like do, 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 do. And it's like on the offbeat and like you've got these two competing different like um, rhythms and it's just it's so or two completely different different meters um and it's so cool and it's it's just another um very specific thing that's like very good in some of the like um um, some of the parts of the music that are more like buildy and like uh going someplace um i don't know i just a lot of this music is just about moving and going somewhere and going forward and like it's just all this like this same sort of emotion and I get that that's a very common emotion to try to portray in music but like it just it's done so well in this movie um and the last bit that I want to talk about um re-music is the instrumentation which is another thing that's just so so gorgeous um so like we've got a couple of different like instrument colors here we've got um I don't know what actual like what actual instrument it is. Um, it could be a classical guitar. It could be an instrument that I'm unfamiliar with. It sounds kind of like a, a mandolin, um, but like we've got this sort of like mandolin playing of like like um, not not vibrato. What's the word for it? Um, just like like very fast uh, strumming up and down on or picking up and down on one string. Um, uh throughout a lot of it and we've got this nice like classical guitar there's this bit 
um, there's another one of the recurring themes is this sort of like nice melody that's being played on guitar. Um, and so we have like some of these sort of like classical Italian Riviera sounds. Um, and, and then we've also got this, uh, these, these gorgeous strings that I was talking about. The pits is used a lot that kind of like, you know, f- fades in very well with that sort of guitar mandolin, mandolin sound. Um, and then on the other hand, we've got this, um, we've got the whistle that's just so very different and so very gorgeous and, you know, just kind of randomly. Um, and I would, I would kind of associate that whistle with the sort of strings when they're playing um, Arco of like the sort of like sweeping, um, sort of like soaring category of, of things. Um, and then the, the, the sort of third category is this brass of like, bright and harsh and like you know we're gonna go get him um there's this there's this really good um bit in how to find the good ones that i believe is like sort of it's like sort of this i I think it's like around the same time that the uh take me gravity theme plays but like there's this one trumpet that's playing that kind of has this sort of like a, a leap from like, I think it's like a third or a fifth or something like that. And they kind of like play a little bit of the, like a grace notes in between. And it's just this beautiful sweep up. And um, I don't know, it's it's just gorgeous. I Like, I'm going to keep saying that over and over again, but it's that's really all this is, is just gorgeous. Um, and the last texture that I think is the absolute coolest um, is, oh my God, I think it's, I'm like ninety percent certain that it happens in um, "Take Me Gravity," and I think I'm gonna actually like sit here and uh, play just like a little bit of it in my in my brain because um, if I'm wrong, then I'm gonna feel really really dumb. Um, I'm not gonna play it in my brain. I'm gonna play it out loud. Um, yes, it is. I'm not out loud. It's in my ear. Um, it is in "Take Me Gravity." Um, we've got so we've got this like that. And then it like kind of repeats over and over again. It kind of gets more powerful. We add the brass, we add um, the strings, and then we get this really, really good bit with drums. And I don't know what what kind of drums they are. They might be like, they might be snare drums, like played on the the, the rims um but there it's just like a very like a flat sound but like a sharp sound um and it's got this like i'm gonna put this down and then i'm gonna slap my legs and you're gonna hear it terribly it's like like it's just like this like um like that is almost like the sound that that it is making is this sort of like like very high high flat sharp sound um along with like this sort of like like of of like a deeper of a deeper drum um and like i don't know i feel like whenever i'm writing songs i always forget that like percussion exists cuz i i'm not a not a percussion player um there's just too many options for percussion when you're like writing music i feel like i'm always like overwhelmed by the possibilities um but this this section this use of like those drums is just so like I don't know. There's something about it that I'm like, oh my god! Like, this is this is this is such good music. And I'm like, I wish I could just like play some of this song, but I'm like, it's not gonna sound good if I if I hold my phone by my 
computer speaker and be like, here, listen to this. Um, but it is in the, it's in the song, Take Me Gravity. Um, and I don't know, just, um, Dan Romer has such a good ear for like orchestration in the sense of like what instruments should be playing what thing at any given time um in addition to sort of like just the 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 compositional genius that is a lot of the themes of this of this movie um okay (laughs) oh is this is this the longest episode i've done yet of this i don't remember um anyway i like feel i like i like i feel a little bit less like so jittery that i need to talk about this thing now um but i still feel like like ah about this movie um i think my general my general thoughts about this movie are oh my god i love it the music is fucking amazing the story is so good I love this queer allegory in general. Luke is amazing, like as a character, I love him. Um, it's a good movie. I'm gonna force my parents to watch it so they can laugh at the fact that they're literally the parents in this movie. Um, and yeah, that, I think that's I think that's what I have to say about this. Hopefully, this episode will um, be able to be saved on my phone and my computer. I will see about that. Goodbye.